Quote, Mother from Raised by Wolves. Belief in the unreal can comfort the human mind. And we right here are uh, living by that in these crazy times. The only real comfort we have is all the various stuff that we nerd out on. And oh, nerd out. What a phrase. It's almost like it's the name of the show. Hello and welcome. I that, know, was that was impressive. That was very good. The show where we're going to be talking about a bunch of things that we've been watching and reading and uh, doing recently. Uh, our main review this week is Raised by Wolves, but we will be talking about a whole bunch of other things as well. As always, my name is Sandro. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Rob Lloyd. Great Greetings, greetings, greetings. It's a pleasure to be here and well done, Melbourne. We, um, yes. the, the finish line, the light at the end of the tunnel and any other metaphor that we can work on is uh, just ahead of us. Well done to everybody. And um, uh, yes, it is indeed exciting. Uh, we're holding our breath, but it is indeed exciting holding our breath times. Yes. Uh, and joining <laughs> us in holding our breath, it is Jen Spears. Hello. Hello. <laughs> We have to hold our breath. We get we wear masks now. We can breathe as much as you want. <laughs> no, um, no, it is good. I mean, I'm a little bit cynical. I'm not cynical. I just like I've been burned before, so I'm trying mm. not to get too excited. Um, but we'll see. We will definitely see. I'm just a bit bummed that uh, I couldn't have my one friend over for Halloween this year. But that might change yeah. if they bring the yeah. restrictions lifting a little bit forward. But again, I'm not I'm not banking on. I'm hold not holding my breath. But yeah, no, we're, we're doing all right. Well, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a nerd out in COVID times. I, <laughs> um, I yes. haven't heard anyone ask about what we've literally been consuming lately. <laughs> yes. How was your dinner, Jen? It was all right. Uh, <laughs> it was, um, okay, so it was a, <laughs> a, a baked um, vegetable stack. So it was like sliced Ooh. eggplant caps, uh, eggplant capsicum zucchini and kind of la- uh, baked and then layered on each other. And in between was like a tomato and balsamic situation with cheese, and it was all baked together. And it was yum. <laughs> that sounds like a great band name, the balsamic and the, bal- the balsamic mix-up. <laughs> the balsamic situation, or whatever. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> Please welcome to the stage the balsamic situation. Tomato and the balsamic situation. situation. Yeah. Yes. I like it. I like it. Well, we've come up with a band name already. Uh, that means this episode is going to be very good. <laughs> to a good start. Uh, speaking of masks, the question I'm going to ask you, just like the masks, it goes with us wherever we go nowadays. <laughs> this question is always hanging over our heads. It's always in the back of our minds. It's always in our pockets somewhere uh, in a, a metaphorical sense, of course, because you can't put a question in your pocket. That would be stupid. <laughs> The question that I am going to ask you, Rob Lloyd, is what have you been consuming lately? Well, I'm going to backtrack a little bit to our conversation that we had before we started rolling. Um, I've gone down a bit of a... uh, Neverwhere. Uh, I slipped into the um, to London Underground. For those of you that don't know, uh, Neil Gaiman was. worked with Lenny Henry back in the early 90s to create a TV show inspired um, by the plight of the homeless and that that spiralled into some sort of fantastical journey not to make homelessness cool but to use that as a springboard for commentary on it and come up with this deep, dark, sort of like uh, urban fantasy adventure. Uh, And what was 
written was a, a six-part series called Neverwhere, which um, went out on the BBC uh, with notoriously low budget and shot all on video. Um, and uh, But Neil Gaiman adapted it into uh, a novel um, and uh, has later been adapted into quite recently within the last five or six years, uh, maybe a bit longer, an audio uh, adventure drama, full cast with the likes of James McAvoy, Natalie Dormer, Christopher Lee, Benedict Cumberbatch, and the so on and so forth. Oh, Bernard Cribben, of course. Um, and so one of the adventures that... Um, uh, uh, there's There was this plans to make it a multi-series epic uh, with multiple other avenues for storylines that never happened. The TV show was a failure and it's become this sort of like cult hit amongst Neil mm. Gaiman fans. So it's a cult of a cult. Yeah. Um, it's my favorite of <laughs> it's my favorite of his novels. I just love the characters. I love the story. Um, and he did a follow-up, uh, sort of like a short story called How the Marquis Got His Coat Back, which returns to the world of Neverwhere, follows immediately on from Neverwhere and goes into a little deeper into uh, what it's all about. The basic premise is all the, the fantastic names in the London underground uh, tube stations, uh, he turns those into quite darkly humorous puns. So Earl's Court is actually, there is an Earl who has a court, um, you know, and Baron, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> Um, there's all, you know, Shepherd's Bush um, is, you know, Shepherds are there, um, all that type of stuff. Uh, they're clowns at Piccadilly Circus, all that type of stuff. <laughs> um, and the Marquis Gets His Coat Back is about one of the particular characters, um, uh, my favourite character, who goes on an adventure to find his famous coat, which has over 90 pockets. And 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 um, I think 10 of them he, he's never been able to find. They're so hidden. Um, <laughs> and he goes to Shepherd's Bush to find his coat and the, the sinister shepherds are there. Um, he, he exists on favours. And there's an audio drama version of it with um, uh, Patterson Joseph, who was the original actor who played him in the TV show quite magnificently. Um, Don Warrington is there as the chief shepherd, who's a wonderful voice actor. Uh, Bernard Cribben returns as Old Bailey. Um, Adrian Lester, who is gorgeous mm-hmm. uh, and a very good actor, <laughs> plays uh, the Marquis' brother, which is fantastic and really, really cool. And James McAvoy returns as Richard. Um, and I just loved it. It's such a great uh, listen. It's a wonderful story. I just adore Neil Gaiman and his uh, balance of comedy and um, uh, and darkness and mm. uh, fantasy world is so vivid. So I've been down that trap. So I've uh, re- I've listened to the audio drama of Neverwhere, um, uh, the the full cast. I've listened to um, the whole pla- the whole novel read by Neil Gaiman, and I've just listened to the Marquis de Carabas. So I've just gone down that that wormhole uh, and, it. um, and it's uh, been quite a relief because I've returned to work. So I'm driving to work to and from oh, obviously. Okay. And it's, yeah. that's what I've been listening to is yeah. entering the world of London below because uh, even though it's, you know, filled with, you know, killer boars and uh, you know, <laughs> uh, vampires that suck your warmth and um, you know, killers who've lasted eons. Um, at, at, that's a much more appealing world than our world right now. <laughs> I have to admit, I, um, I'm probably not far behind you there, Rob. Um, when I was reading Rivers of London, I was, you know, enjoying the urban fantasy and going, oh, I want to reread Neverwhere. I really want to, <laughs> you know, rewatch it because that's, you know, a similar kind of 
that was I think Neverwhere was probably the first urban fantasy I read. I would say. Yeah, pretty much for me as well. Yeah. yeah and so it's my, oh, you know, it's 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 nostalgic as well for me. So I I don't think I'm far behind you in doing a rewatch, re-listen, reread um, of that world. Yeah, well, it, it's 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 a compliment to you because you were talking about Rivers of London, and I want to do that epic deep dive so I'll probably purchase that next on Audible awesome. and listen to that yes. and I yeah. just went oh that and I mentioned Neverwhere and I went oh I've got to go back to that and oh, so I, yeah. <laughs> my issue is if I start with Neverwhere I won't read another I'll only read Neil Gaiman for the next couple of months like I'll, I'll do, go and do a reread like I've got to do my yearly reread of a Nancy Boys which is my favourite that's um, right yeah and then I'll end up just rereading American Gods and like watching all the TV shows and reading Sandman <laughs> not a, yeah. absolutely not a bad thing at all but I have other things I need to read first <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. You want to read new stuff as opposed to the stuff you've already read. Hmm. Yeah. Most of the time. Mm. So, so yes. Um, so uh, never wear the audio book by Neil Gaiman, uh, two stars, never wear the TV show, uh, the TV show. I give one star, even though people read it a lot less, never wear the, uh, audio drama series. I give, um, uh, one thumb up as well. And how the marquee got his coat back. I give uh, two thumbs up. So Excellent. yes. And what about you, uh, Jen? What have you been consuming lately? Um, I've just been um, working through some more of my Halloween things. Um, So my All Hallows read with books and um, just trying to watch some not-before-seen horror films and some that we have seen just going through some of those. So we, what did we do? We watched... um, the original House of Wax, 1953, Vincent Price, hey. Charles Bronson, credited, uh, Charles Bronson credited as Charles Buczynski. Um, back <laughs> in the day, it was before he was big Western star. Um, he plays Igor um, and also featuring Caroline Jones, i.e. the original Morticia Adams, makes an appearance. So it was interesting. I actually put up a photo of the, um, like the, the, the title um, image on my Instagram and I got so many messages. People like, oh, yeah, great. You know, that's the one with Paris Hilton, yeah? And I'm like... It's the original 1953. Like the background is clearly a like a really old town. <laughs> like, um, it was quite funny that um, he, you know people are so like I didn't know there was an original House of Wax. I saw the the remake years ago, and then um, at my old job at the hat shop, my boss was very into old movies and old horror films, and recommended a bunch. And then Vincent Price, obviously, is yeah. your horror grand granddaddy, basically. Um, <laughs> so watch that. Patty hadn't seen it. I had seen it before. Um, and then we also watched the original Amityville Horror, uh, 1979 with James Brolin, Margot Kidder. And Margot Kidder. Amazing. She's beautiful in that film. Absolutely stunning. Um, adorable. Um, and uh, interesting because I reckon most people recognize her from Indiana Jones, um, which Uh, my brain, as Superman, yes, sorry. Um, (laughs) my brain initially goes to Black Christmas, which was, um, the old sort of before Halloween, um, it's quite a horror film. So oh, it was wow. the first horror film to introduce the point of view of the killer, uh-huh. um, which most people think of Halloween that did that, but it was actually Black Christmas and Margot Kidder is sort of the, the main heroine in that um, badass yeah. sorority girl who fights the killer. Um, really cool. It's really cre- it's a really creepy film. Um, I would like to rewatch that this year actually as well. Um, I think they just remade it for Netflix. Oh, it's awful. Don't watch it. Yeah, I've heard that. It's so absolutely I'm awful. Probably yeah. won't. Definitely watch the original if you haven't seen it. Um, uh, Patty had seen that. I had not seen Amityville Horror. Um, again, mm-hmm. 
uh, you'll see like a pattern with most of the stuff we're watching and they're not really horror they're horror films but they're not super scary gory jump scare like that's absolutely not the kind of thing that I enjoy I like the creepy um creepy concept really cool old school horror films but even look at something like House of Wax um and I've mentioned when it came out it would have been really scary back then um like some of the special effects and just some of the imagery like people are pretty desensitized these days to stuff. Um, so like looking at it and watching it in that context and being like, yeah, you know what? This would have been really scary for its time. And Vincent Price is, you know, scary as he is. So <laughs> um, <laughs> the other one we watched was uh, Rosemary's Baby. Now I had actually never seen Rosemary's Baby. Um, I knew exactly what it was about. I knew the ending, the, the twist, inverted commas. It's not really a twist these days. Mm. Um, but I like... St- I, I didn't think I needed to watch it because I figured, you know, when you hadn't seen a movie but you feel like you've seen it because you know what yeah. it's about and you've read all the trivia yeah. and you know all the stuff. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, like, had a cry afterwards. Like, I had, like, a good 10-minute cry. It was, like, really scary in terms wow. of, again, you don't see this, the monster as such. There's no spoilers. You don't see the baby at the end. You don't see his little cloven feet. You don't really – there's no gore. There's a pretty unsettling dream rape scene. Um, it's not a dream, um, but it's terrifying, like the gaslighting that happens and yeah. just what Rosemary goes through. It's so well done and it's so unsettling and, and upsetting. It was, just, yeah, I was like, wow, I didn't expect to be that affected by a story that I knew so well. Mm-hmm. Um, just And the music, having that same song done in different ways, sung by Mia Farrow, um, just yeah, completely knowing that the people, all these nice people, are actually evil, but you also kind of falling for their charm, yeah. and oh, it's just absolutely. And then in the end, you know, she goes to get help from a doctor who isn't part of the coven, but betrays her anyway because she's a hysterical woman. So it's just if you haven't seen it, like if you think you've seen it, you have like just what yeah. it's. It was amazing. So. Um, yeah, I like really loved it, but also really hated it <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> so I think that's what he was going for. I think that's what he was going for. So yeah, um, yeah that was really cool. Um, and then I read uh, Haunting of Hill House, Shirley Jackson. Most of you will know it from the TV show, which I haven't seen, but I will go uh, and watch now that I've read the book. Um, a lot of people know it uh, from its movie adaptation, most more famously, the uh, it was just called The Haunting, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and I think Luke, uh, one of the Wilsons Owen, was in it. Owen, Owen Wilson, Wilson and Liam Neeson. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Um, I saw that film years ago and terrified me as a, as a, like a teenager. Um, and so I didn't really, I didn't actually make the connection when I started reading the book. And then I was like, ah, oh, oh, this is that movie, The Haunting. Oh, this <laughs> book is much better. Again, <laughs> it's not scary, really. Mm. It's unsettling and it's creepy and the, the, it's the concepts that it makes you think about that are scarier than the actual, you know, they don't just, there's nothing terribly scary that happens action-wise. Um, so that was cool. That was recommended to me like two years ago to do for All Hell is Read and I only got around to it this year. Um, smash that out pretty quickly. Mm. And then um, just one more recommendation that I was made this year, um, a book called Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay, um, which is a bit of a spin on the exorcism story. Uh, it's about a girl, a 14-year-old girl who is believed to be possessed by the devil. Um, their parents are really poor. They can't afford to get, you know, treatment and everything. So they agree to turn her exorcism into a reality TV show. Um, and it's about that journey and, um, 
televising an exorcism and the popularity of that and whether she was possessed or it was for the money, blah, blah, blah. That was, I again, smashed that out in a day. It was really, really good. Um, I think I'm a little bit obsessed with exorcism stories, I've realised, because <laughs> they're the ones that I seek out. So reading my best friend's exorcism and then really want to rewatch The Exorcist and watching the TV show Cursed Films, um, yeah. the documentary, like, I think I really like exorcism stories. So <laughs> give me your exorcism recommendations because I'm, you know, possession and that kind of thing. It seems to be my, what scares me the most. Well, I, there's, um, uh, the original exorcist is obviously incredible, but amazing. there's also a lot behind exorcist three, avoid exorcist mm. two, the heretic. That's a piece of ass. Okay. Noted. <laughs> yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about number three. I've never seen yeah. it, but everyone says it's really good. There's multiple versions of it. So there's the original theatrical cut and then they went back and redid it with, uh, the Legion cut, which is the, the one okay. that Frankenheimer actually wanted to have out there. It's got George C. Scott filling in for the role of what Lee J. Cobb played in the original film. Okay. Is it a is it a sequel? Like, is it a continuation? It's, yeah, of the it's story? a direct. It's a direct sequel to. Okay, cool. To so you can watch uh, Exorcist and then go straight into Exorcist Three. You don't need to awesome. watch Heretic. Heretic Great. is a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing that really um, drew me to this book, um, similarly to, I also watched Scream recently, and I think Sandra and I spoke a bit about it. The idea of it's. It's pretty much a commentary on horror films as well as being a horror film. So this book's very similar. It's not It's not only a exorcism story, it's a comment on the exorcism stories that we all know because they you know, talk about, they pick it apart and decide, was she possessed or was she just straight up copying the exorcist and copying this movie? <laughs> okay. And then remember this moment is straight out of this book and this moment is straight out. So it's like uh, the story itself is intercut with blog, blog entries by a writer who's picking apart the reality TV show. Um, and the question, and I want to ask you two this, cause I was like, Ooh, if there was a reality TV show today based on, well, about a person being possessed, would you watch it? A reality TV show? Yeah. So as, as, as real as you believe reality TV is, but. Well, there was, um, there, there was, yeah. there, I, I don't know. I'm probably the oldest, well, I'm the oldest one <laughs> yeah. here. So there, there was a show when I was growing up, uh, as a kid, and it was called The Extraordinary. It was mm. it was the Aussie version of sort of like Unsolved Mysteries, which was whole, mm-hmm. hosted by Robert Stack. Just and come ex- back. What's that? It's come back. New season <laughs> out recently. Oh, right. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, Netflix. Is, did, did, did they resurrect Robert Stack to host? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so The Extraordinary was an Aussie story. It was hosted by a guy called Warwick Moss, who had this great voice. Um, and it always focused on things, you know, things that can't be explained, things mm. that, you know, there is the extraordinary. And in that, they did like a documentary about, you know, uh, about exorcisms and, sure. and they went and interviewed people who believed that they were, you know, they had a demon inside them and yeah. then the police investigation about them, you know, being involved in all this type of stuff. So that, they, you know, that type of... Yeah, I mean, those, know, there's still similar shows around now, I suppose. Yeah, documentary, yeah. This, yeah. This one being literally like a big brother, cameras in every room except the bedrooms, um, close-ups of the exorcism of a 14-year-old girl being tied to her bed and hmm. a demon, like, would I absolutely watch it? Cause, <laughs> look, I'm just going to say it, that shit fascinates me and <laughs> I'd probably be on under the excuse that I didn't, I didn't believe it was real, so... Like, I'd watch it, but yeah. yeah. I, I think I would, but it would depend on the production. If the voiceover was like, and now the next thing yeah. is this, I would be like, nah, that's enough of that. Turn that off if it's like sound yeah. effects and everything. Yeah, so it was um, it was reenactments of what had happened before the film crew got there. 
mixed with interviews, um, diary room type confessionals, and then just like a whole episode that was a quote unquote a live um, recording of the exorcism itself. Okay. Um, and priests being bitten and attacked, and and girls going through convulsions and climbing the walls and stuff. So, hmm. um, yeah, I'd watch it. I'm a bad person, but I would. <laughs> well, look, yeah, you, you, you are talking to the man for who, for the first time ever in his life, watched the entire series of this year's The Bachelor from first episode to last episode. <laughs> wow. So I can't, yeah, yeah, I know. It is truly the end of days. I um, think nowadays knowing that, you know, there's that, um, that there was that TV show about reality TV and you got to see sort of, it was, it was fiction, but it was, you know, commentary on that so mm. i just don't believe that in a reality tv show is completely real so i think i just oh, be no sitting way. there going oh well that's clearly fake um but it'd be, still be that that sick fascination i think mm. with the yeah unknown. yeah there's um there's a really good speaking of like knowing something's fake but still getting drawn into it and also like exorcisms and like horror and stuff mm. um i think it's the bbc they had this special good in the them. 90s called ghost watch which was Ooh. Michael Parkinson. Love that. Yeah. And um, the guy from Red Dwarf is in there as well, Sarah Green. They all play themselves. And it's like this live TV event where they're going into this incredibly haunted house. And it's mm. all meant to be not necessarily r- real, but it's news presenters playing themselves. So okay. if you just That's tune that. in halfway through, you'd be like, this is totally real, yeah. which is what people did. And when crazy stuff started happening, everyone was like, ah, ghosts are real. So, yeah. um, well, see, we watch like shows like ghost adventures and, um, Buzzfeed, like ghost things. And like, you never see anything. And I think knowing that I'm never going to see anything makes me able to watch it. But I feel like if something actually real was on the news, like that level of real on the news, it must be real. I'd probably actually be really scared. So maybe I'm just all talk. Look, if if you could make it like you know celebrity um, exorcist, where they're you know they're trained by a, <laughs> trained by a priest, and so like there's certain tasks they need to do. And... <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Get Gary they Busey all get back. possessed with a demon at the first episode and it's who survives it, you know? Yeah. And it'd have yeah. to be all the type of celebrities that you have on, like, <laughs> I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. So it'd have to yeah. be some someone yeah. from Gogglebox. Yeah. It'd have to be an up-and-coming comedian who's of about course. to hit it big. Mm. You're going to have to bring an American celebrity in. So I'm thinking maybe someone from Hill Street Blues or possibly from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> um uh, you gotta have a Aussie sports star. Yep. So yeah. Shane Warne will hop in there. Oh, yep. Warne would be so. He'd like to exercise some of his own demons. He'd be, I'm there. Sure. He'd be there. And Dave Husey as well, just making fun of everyone. Oh God, just yelling at everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, that got me weirdly thinking. So, um, with I'd love to know, listeners, your answer. Would you watch a reality TV show uh, based on a fourteen-year-old girl being possessed by a demon? <laughs> <laughs> I want to find out how your minds work. Wasn't that just honey boo-boo? Ha, God. (laughs) Dance mums. (laughs) Good one, Sandro. That was a good one. Uh, Well, thank you for that, Sandro. I'm going to pass it over to you. Um, What have you been consuming lately? Uh, yeah, speaking of horror, I saw Scream, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's nothing really to say about it that hasn't been said before. It's very good. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's a classic. I think my only issue with the Scream franchise is that they're not tense or scary for me at all no um but they're very funny so i like that you know have you was this the first time you saw a screen i think i saw it first when i was maybe 14 did it scare you then i can't remember the problem is i saw blink when i was like eight (gasps) and that nothing's ever lived up to that so 
Fair enough, too. Yeah. Um, for me, it's always a case of diminishing returns. Like, it's always tough when you're making uh, horror films and stuff like that and it becomes a franchise, but especially with Scream because it is such a, you know, it's the perfect embodiment of that meta-representation of, you know, a horror film that con- that is conscious that it is a horror film mm. um, that you can see the evolution of. It's very interesting after you watch Scream and then you go back and watch something like New Nightmare, which was Craven's attempt at doing that in the first attempt, which is, it's quite a bold film, but it's still yeah. very, very clumsy at, at parts. Oh, yeah. But um, it, they he gets the perfection right by getting in, you know, Kevin Williamson is an incredible writer. Um uh, but yeah, so it, I th- feel as if in the sequels they, they go on and they become a bit too convoluted and a bit too caught up and a bit too, yeah. you know, the joke yeah, outstays the joke. And like even with Scream 4 and there's talks of being a Scream 5, I'm there going, eh. We're done here. Yeah. 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 For me, because I, I, I saw Scream 2 directly afterwards as well. And well, the main issue with that movie is that it's two hours long. Uh, it's way too long. But um, mm. it does, yeah, the joke is that it's a sequel, but then that's it. There isn't anything else that really adds onto it. And yet then the, okay. s- the story is like, who is Ghostface? And then the reveal is even more ridiculous than the first time. And yeah, I've heard that three, going back to three is actually pretty good now because um, that was obviously created within the Weinstein company. And there's mm. some stuff that happens in three that kind of feels like they were trying to say something about what was happening. Um, that's right. just what I've heard. Yeah, it, it goes all into Sydney's mum's backstory and it turns out that there's so much more. Like It's it's sort of like uh, after having watched, you know, Twin Peaks, it seems to be that type of, you know, that try-hard attempt to be, you know, a Laura Palmer type situation yeah. uh, with, mm. with, with uh, Sydney's mum and it's not as... Uh, as effective. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's me. I'm old yeah. and cynical. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched The Bachelor this year. Okay. So I, I, <laughs> I have no clout. Any clout that I may have had is gone now. <laughs> uh, so I saw those two. Um, and then the other big horror film I saw this week would have been uh, 2018's Halloween sequel. I rewatched that for ah, the first yeah. time since I saw it in cinemas. I'm still very torn. The first Halloween is perfect. I love it. Uh, mm. I think it's probably the best slasher movie next to Psycho. I would put it up there. Um, is mm. Psycho a slasher? I don't know. That's a good. That's a good discussion. Yeah. It, uh, in many ways, yeah. It's not like the original slasher, but it's like the you know the embodiment of yeah. the slashes of that era. So, yeah. yeah. The um, first one to really explore in like that kind of a respectful way that you know the the psychology mm. you know the have. Mm. It's great it's when I watch it for the... And... Yeah, yeah, but to have that whole section at the end where it's a group of white old dudes hanging around going, so, what the go with this guy? <laughs> Let me tell you. Let's bring in a guy and talk through yes. the whole thing about what's going on in his head. Whereas it's like shorthand now. We just go, oh, he goes split personality. Oh, okay, you know, he, you know, delusions of grandeur. Oh, he's, you know, he's, you know, he has sex with... The dead bodies but back in the day goes right let's sit everybody down and just talk <laughs> this through you got it yeah so yeah which made it even weirder when they did that in the remake <laughs> oh, yeah. oh god i think i agree with you with halloween though sandro being one of the best best slasher films i haven't seen any of the friday the 13th or um i've seen obviously i've seen nightmare on elm street i don't really consider that a slasher but they're like the three kind of franchises i think of when you think of slasher films yeah and halloween's just 
So good. Watch Black Christmas. Watch Black Christmas, yeah. though. <laughs> Black Christmas is also, is also re- really good. Yeah, just that first one is just like a masterclass in tension mm. and mm-hmm. the cinematography and the soundtrack are phenomenal. And the great thing yeah. about that first one is the ending. Um, if you haven't seen it, slight spoilers, it ends on a complete <laughs> cliffhanger. Nothing ends. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, he's gone now. She's fine. <laughs> and um, <Yeah. laughs> that's always what I liked about Halloween 2 was that it was set in the same night. Like, you could watch them back to back. And the only thing is part two is slightly worse. Like, that's mm. basically it. Um, the problem with part two is the kills are a little bit too extravagant and showy. But aside from yeah. that, I think two is not bad. Well, this is not Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Ugh. Or whatever it's called. H2O was the first one I ever saw. I was like 15 and I was like, ooh, spooky. <laughs> well, I, I'd, I'd seen... The first Halloween I saw was, I think, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, where oh, they yeah. get, where it's like the little girl and um, Donald Pleasance comes back. Mm. Um, and uh, and then and then I went back and saw the original. Yeah. Um, and, but yes, but apparently with the 2018 one, it's, it's like, it's, it, all the sequels are kind of discarded. Yep. Um, and it got... Follows on from immediately this, the first film. Yeah, so it only counts the first film. Maya's capture is off screen, which I, again, eh, uh, like it's it's okay. <laughs> but then the fact that in this movie is kind of an immortal killing machine. I'm like, how did he yeah. get captured in the first place? There's yeah. so many questions that I have with the new one. The positive is always, is obviously Jamie Lee Curtis is incredible. Um, and mm. it's the best that she has been since the first one, I think in terms of this role, because none of the sequels really utilized her in any way, um, that well. Yeah. The other issue with the new one is the director is David Gordon Green, best known for directing, uh, Pineapple Express. And I don't, hmm. I don't think he understands horror at all. Because <laughs> it's written, co-written by Danny McBride. It's also co-written by Danny McBride, and there are some very funny moments in the movie. But there's also just like in terms of the scares, it's just a lot of what you would expect to see in a mid-budget horror film that comes out now. It's a lot of walking down a corridor, turn one way, nothing's there, turn the other way, nothing's there either, turn back, oh, it's a thing, and there's a jump yeah. scare, which is just not scary. I hate jump scares. It's just not, yeah, like, it's it's so different to that first one, because the jump scares in that first one were, like, earned, whereas in this yeah. it's just, just a lot of fake-outs and stuff. I and... hate a jump scare, but I respect a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, when you've got, like, John Carpenter, like, he, mm. you know, he redef- you know, defined a whole genre, and especially in the, that 70s time he was doing, you know, in the early 80s, he was doing some incredible stuff. Yeah. yeah. And he did his own music. I love the fact he, he does, the, love you know, that. he does his own soundtrack. <laughs> I, I I think he did the music for the new one. Yes, I think he did. I think he came back for the music for that, yeah. Maybe with his son as well, because Cody Carpenter is also uh, credited. Um, so, yeah, there is a lot to like with the new one. It's just, the problem is it's not a better sequel than the the original right. <laughs> Halloween 2. So, mm. and this is like the fourth Halloween 2 at this point, because there was that one, there was H2O, and then there was the Rod Zombie one, which I've never seen and never want to. And they made a sequel to that as well, didn't they? They, they made- did. Rob Zombie made a sequel for that as well. There's two of them. Apparently they did well. I don't know. They did. They were, everyone was like kind of praising them a bit and everyone was putting a bit of, um, yeah. you know, um, putting a bit of smoke up Zombie's ass going, oh, Zombie, if mm. anyone's going to make a remake of, he knows what he's talking about. I'm going, really? All right. 
Okay. Just because it's name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only thing I've ever liked that Rod Zombie has done is the fake trailer he made for Grindhouse, the Tarantino <laughs> oh, yeah. Rodriguez thing. <laughs> with, with Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu. Yes. That's right. He did the she 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 wolves of uh, of um, of the um, oh god, I can't even remember the title um, of it. But yeah. Yeah. Neo Nazi she wolves of whatever. <laughs> Nazi yeah. she wolves with Nicolas Cage. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the, those trailers are great. Like Don't by Edgar Wright is is fantastic. Mm. And uh, and of course, Machete was so good they turned it into a film. He did two films. Two There's films. two of them, and they're okay. Oh, they're right. <laughs> Look, they're better than the Grindhouse movies. Oh come on! I like I like I like the second half of Death Proof. Yeah, it's alright. Yeah, it's alright. Yeah. Werewolf Just... Women of the SS. <laughs> That's there it. we go. <laughs> Would <Thank> watch. <laughs> Would watch. Yeah, I'd watch a full version of that. Yeah. Maybe? No, I absolutely I would. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the new one, it's okay. They're making two more sequels, uh, which <sighs> kind of defeat the whole point of the first one because the whole point of it was Jamie Lee Curtis has been preparing for this night for, for like, 40 years. <laughs> and then the fact that they're making two more after that with her in it is like, okay, so what was the point of preparing for 40 years? Yeah. yeah. She didn't need to cram. Like, yeah. She's- 40 years, you have plenty of time. That's the thing about horror films that yeah, really get me is that case of they are just notoriously turned into franchises and it's diminishing returns. So I was there going, oh, you know, A Quiet Place, so good. I'm oh, so glad yeah. it's just a one-off film. They're not going to make a sequel. How could they possibly? Oh, God, they're doing a sequel. <laughs> doing yeah. another one. And they're doing another and one. And if they don't make them into fran- they just keep remaking them. Yep. The same film. Exactly, yeah. Just call it something different. Like, I adored the original The Conjuring and the sequel is okay, but it just takes it... it it's that whole thing of, we've got to outdo it. As opposed to doing a different yeah. variation of it, they try and make it bigger. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. I actually like the sequel to... I like the part two of Insidious, and I think it rounds out part one, part one and part two. They're a good story about that family, but a lot of people don't like Insidious 2. But um, hmm. but then they've gone on and made more Insidiouses, and, and you just go, oh, they get worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah, that's always the case. I personally like it when they go for the comedic route. Like, obviously, uh, Evil Dead 2 is a classic. I actually <laughs> like Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky because they're so stupid, <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, the the Friday the Thirteenth one in space is also great. And which one is it? One of them starts off with like a James Bond intro where he th- throws the machete towards the screen instead of shooting. I can't remember which one that one is, but th- that one's very funny. Oh, that's right, he does go. Yeah, yeah, Freddie. Uh, it is Jason in space. That's right. Yeah, huh. that's like that's like yeah, whatever it is. Oh gosh. So part of oh. me wishes that that's what they turned these sequels into because them being so serious, I don't think works. But I don't know, I'll see them. <laughs> as long as they don't make a Babadook sequel, okay? Ugh. Yeah, no, nah, leave that alone. Yeah, leave that alone. Babadook. Babadook 2. Uh, and then I was going to talk about Haunting of Bly Manor, but we don't have time. Let's move on. <laughs> hey. I might watch that as well by then too. I'm very interested to see what you think of those two seasons because they're very different. Um, but anyway, speaking of seasons, let's move on to our main topic. I got <laughs> oh, all the segues. What a segue. What a segue. Is it? <laughs> Is that it was terrible. <laughs> well, we will be sarcastic, George <laughs> I know, I'm a killjoy. <laughs> so, this happened a couple weeks ago. Rob, um, not forced us, made us all watch Earth to Ned. Hey, 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 hey. And it was good, and it was very good. That's what, okay, good. good, good. 
And so this week I started watching Raised by Wolves and went, hey, this is really good. Let's do an episode on it. And I forced you both to watch it. Uh, it is- <laughs> I don't know about forced. It was definitely on my to watch list. And it's very much a nerd out kind of vibe, mm. really, being science fiction. Yeah. I will talk about when it comes to first impression. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if you've, like, I'm just going to put it up. It was definitely on my watch list. So, yeah, um, okay. But if you want people to believe you forced me to watch it, Sandra, go for it. <laughs> Well, that means that that, that it is uh, your turn to force us to watch something next. <laughs> yes, you are next. Oh, you shouldn't have reminded oh, me. God. Oh, God. Oh, dear. what am I going to make you guys watch? Mm, I'll think on that one. I'm very excited. Listen to, listen to vinyl? <laughs> no. We review the Beatles discology. Yeah. You guys no. just, like, wouldn't understand. Like, no. No, no, no. We'll have to no. listen to Hot August Nights. Ooh. Hey, it's one night, and um, no, I wouldn't force anybody <laughs> to listen to my favorite album um no yeah, i'll think of something good. it'll be it'll still be it'll still be nerd out worthy don't worry awesome i've got good taste what the fuck hey hang on a second <laughs> hang on a second backtrack you can edit this out if you like sandra but excuse me robert <laughs> are you suggesting that whatever i suggest is gonna be shit no not at all okay. i'm just playing i can't just... see your face so i don't know if you're lying to me but look i i i, I miss my friends and I... <laughs> you guys would not have invited me on this podcast if you thought I had bad taste. No, no, there's no way in hell. Yeah, we we have you here because you can hold your own and you have impeccable taste. Yes. So yes. and okay. you also read, and we needed the book market. <laughs> we yeah. needed yeah. that extra. <laughs> and also, you're a million times classier than us because you like you know you read books and you <laughs> listen and you listen to vinyl and it's all the stuff that I go. Oh God, I wish I was that cool. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Um, all right, I will have a think and I'll find something awesome. So, Raised by Wolves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, the HBO Max original uh, series, uh, executive produced by Ridley Scott and written and showrun by Aaron Guzokowitz, who was the writer of Dennis Villeneuve's excellent movie uh, Prisoners. Uh, so I already went huh. into it being a massive fan of Ridley Scott and the movie Prisoners. So I was like, I'm ready. It's sci-fi. It's good. Uh, we are going to first do first impressions, but just a quick warning. We are going to do non-spoilers and then spoilers. But for the non-spoilers, it's non-spoilers for everything aside from episode one. If you want to know nothing, just don't. <laughs> watch the first episode, then come back because, yeah. Go listen to one of our previous podcasts. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a really good one on Earth to Ned. Go listen to There that. is a good episode <laughs> on Earth to Ned. Um, so with that being said, first impressions, what did you think, Jen? I loved it. <laughs> I, um... Didn't know anything about... I obviously knew who Ridley Scott is, though for a lot of my childhood called him Ripley Scott because I got <laughs> him and his character nice, mixed up. Nice. <laughs> Ripley Scott. That's um, great. So I knew it was Ridley Scott so and I knew it was sci-fi and that's about it. Um, even the little blurb that I watched it on Binge, um, the platform Binge, still no subtitles. We'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> didn't, know, didn't know anything going in. I had no idea what um, sort of... Uh, uh, what's the word I want? Um, not, I keep using the word vibe and I'm trying not to use the word vibe anymore. Um, I didn't really know what sort of um, atmosphere, what mood, thank you, what tone it was going to be. So mm. um, completely went in blind and was hooked. Um, just, yeah, wanted to watch it like all in one night. Didn't. Thank God. I probably would have gone crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought it was the, the world that it built and the concepts and I, yeah. Loved it. That's my first impression. Loved nice. it. Rob? 
Look. Um, <laughs> I'm keeping it all positive. You know. Look, I'm I'm a you know I'm a hardcore sci-fi fan, like the best of them. All right, I love a good you know philosophical deep exploration of sci-fi. As it comes, you know, I love I'm a good... sensing a butt coming. I love a good episode <laughs> of The Twilight Zone, which goes into the deep recesses of the possibilities of whatever it could be. But you know what? You're either, <laughs> you're either out in 25 minutes or you're out in 45. <laughs> to quote Krusty the Clown from one episode of The Simpsons when he appeared on, um, on a Saturday Night Live ripoff and then went, this goes on for another 12 minutes. I'm there going... After watching the first episode, I've got to watch another nine episodes of no, this. Oh, no, no, because I got. I was the, like, I, I did the opposite. I was like, how many more of episodes of this are there? Oh my god, only ten? How are they going to tell this story in ten episodes? <laughs> look, it's the basic concept is what you know the history of sci-fi has been doing since the dawn of time. It's the True. case of science versus religion. Fucking Planet of the Apes have done it. Um, you know, uh, Outer Limits have done it. Twilight Zone have done it. Every single, you know, you know um, uh, William Gibson's done it. All this type of stuff. It is at the very core at this whole series. Um, and I got it within the first episode. Um, <laughs> and uh, and the great thing about these certain things, it, with, the, with a short-form anthology show, you don't have to like any of the characters. They are there to represent a concept or represent a philosophy or represent a section of society. It's a reflection. Sci-fi works at its best when it's a reflection on our world. Um, and I got that. I went, cool, that's the reflection. And they're going, don't keep the... I don't want the mirror to stay up for nine fucking hours. <laughs> um, so... Did it stay up for nine hours, in your opinion? Look, the the, the tone is consistent. The yeah. world is, you know, is deeply rooted and articulate. I like a, a well-articulated, detailed world building. And I love that, you know, that concept of what yeah. we love about sci-fi and fantasy and stuff like that. It's all there, but it's just a case of, I think I said it to you guys, I don't like anybody in this. The yeah. only... Yeah, the only person I like is Vita. If the show was about her, I'd be fine. Ivy Wong as Vita, you would kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else pissed the shit out of me. All right. So like you'll you'll tolerate you'll tolerate the mirror so long as it's got some good characters, like some character driven, you know, yeah, yeah. stories. Okay. Yeah, so hmm. I can, I'll go into more detail, but yeah, yep. that my, my it was a hard slog. It was a hard slog for me um so whether it's because of the mind frame i was in or i i I, i've seen this explored so many times and there was a lot of you know it was i've seen these stories done before not to this intensity or to this Mm. extreme it's sort of like taking that concept to the nth degree um but yes sandra Mm. um (laughs) how much how much did you love this well, uh, yeah, to top off our review first impression burger, I've got to agree with uh, Jen in that I loved it. I loved it a lot. I'm more than happy to be the negative meat between <laughs> your positive buns. I don't think I've been a negative meat before. In a, um, The only time I think I've been a negative, it's been a three-way <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> A three-way so. negative menage a trois. This, meta- this metaphor is mixing itself up so <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
You were a lukewarm. You were the lukewarm me. Oh no! Well, I think you hated Justice League more than us. Tell us more about your positive bun, Sandra. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, I love this stuff. I love. Um, yeah. Uh, I I guess it's Ridley Scott's brand of exploring what people are in AI and all that. I mean, obviously Blade Runner is great, um, but I think that Alien is just one of the best sci-fi films ever made. I love it. Uh, I even mm. like Prometheus and Covenant. Not as much. And oh all the humans suck. Oh my suck. god, Sandro! I'm changing my opinion because Sandro just admitted that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to agree with him. There's a lot wrong with those two films, but I there's quite a bit that I like in them, and because they're the only Alien movies that feel like the first one... Uh, that's probably why I like them more than... Look, Aliens is better than both of them, obviously. But yeah, uh, I quite like those. So I went into it being like, if this is just Prometheus but done very well, I'm going to like this a lot. And I think it is. It's a nice like mixture between that. I do agree. There's no likable characters in this show. But for me, the performances were good enough to pull it through. Um, the cinematography was good enough to pull it through. I liked some people at the end. I think I liked Father. Oh, I liked Father. <laughs> and I came to like um, Paul's mum. She's also beautiful, so that helped. Her jawline. Good jawline and, and that severe haircut that was sort of like the mullet and the undercut. The space oh, yeah. mullets. I love the space mullets. She she pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, uh, fellow uh, compatriot, uh, Travis uh, Fumel. Um I'm not sure about how he pulled it off. But, um, yes, mm, yeah. there's a lot of stuff to unpack. I mean, I've mm. got a love-hate relationship with Ridley. Yes, Alien is incredible. And, it, well, it's, it, is a, it is the beest of B-grade horror sci-fi film scripts. Oh, yeah. it is. It is, you know, the guys were writing the ultimate 70s schlock B-grade script that mixes horror, sex, and sci-fi all in one. But hand it to hand it to Ridley Scott yeah. and a stellar A grade yeah. cast, and it just made it a absolute cinematic masterpiece. But it is bollockingly B grade, which I love about it. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, but but yeah. So then when Ridley then went on to do Blade Runner and then tried to you know step out of the the sci fi franchise, but then he's he's sort of like you know. He's coming back and slumming it when he and, and uh, I kind of have a, a negative opinion because he came back to do Prometheus and the guys behind Alien just fawn over head over heels for Ridley and let him do whatever he wants and that took mm. away the opportunity for Neil Blomkin who made District <laughs> Nine one of the yes. most incredible films of the last twenty years who had this amazing reboot revitalized reimagining vision of it and that's been taken away from us so that you know. Ridley can go off and make his version of 2001 crammed through the eye of a, you know, a schlocky film sci-fi thing. But, um, but this seemed more his, this is going, this is you doing the tone that you wanted and being involved in that tone about religion and philosophy. And yeah, I mean, again, that whole thing of what it is to be human I mean, that's what makes, you know, Star Trek the thing it is, you know. If we didn't have Data, if we didn't have the Doctor from um, uh, uh, Voyager, then we wouldn't have 
Star Trek. It is, and that's what this is all about as well. What is humanity? What is faith? What is science? What is true? And just takes it to that extreme where, you know, I'm an atheist. I'm going, fuck, oh, I don't like any of these atheists. Oh, <laughs> yeah. fuck, I don't like any of these religious types. Oh, fuck, I don't like the, the androids. Oh, I don't like the kids. Oh, fuck, I don't even like the, you know, the, the, the monsters that are showing up. Anyway, um, but yeah, so it, it was very much in, in Ridley's brand. But um, because of Ridley's involvement, I kept on going, is this going to be a backdoor sneaky alternative xenomorph type of birth? Yeah, I thought that. I thought that as well. We'll we'll talk more about that (laughs) when we go along. So there was always that cloud hovering. And by the end of it, I went, okay, it's not that. Great. Okay. Mm. Well, um, but there was always that part lying underneath going, is this going to be a cheeky back? reboot reimagining um this is why i love sometimes not being uh as nerdy for (laughs) certain things so like i Mm. don't i haven't seen prometheus and i've seen alien and i've seen aliens uh i think i may have seen alien 3 maybe a a while ago Mm -hmm. but i don't have that sort of encyclopedic knowledge that you guys do of that kind of thing so i knew it was ridley scott so i knew the kind of tone thank you that it would be but that was it in terms of that kind of thing. So yeah. I'm, there's times like that where I'm like, fuck, I love that I don't know all about that because it means I'm not thinking about that when I'm watching it. Um, yeah. And that's why I talk about sometimes wanting to have movie or novel amnesia where I don't remember anything about a movie and I can watch it again for the first time because they're watching something, not knowing anything else about it is such a different experience. It's, it's not meant to come across as as arrogant, but sometimes no. it's ex- it's sometimes it's exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. Watching stuff like that because mm, yeah. like, I I miss out on seeing it for the first time. Like yeah. I when I first saw Midnight Express, which is an incredibly powerful film. Um, uh, Oliver Stone wrote the script. Um, Alan Parker directed it. It's about a young American man who was trapped in a, um, a Turkish prison for for years. Um, John Hurt in it was nominated for an Oscar. Incredible. Randy Quaid did a really good job. But there's this iconic scene, iconic scene where um, uh, Billy, the lead character, has been in prison for all these years and his girlfriend comes to see him for the first time and he is just shattered. He's been you know, tortured and strung out by this, this horrible, oppressive prison system and his girlfriend comes in and he can't speak and he's just become almost devolved. And there's this powerful scene where he just hasn't seen a woman for all this time and he just gets to his primal instincts and starts touching himself while watching her and she is just trying to look after him and support him. It's a powerful image and she takes the top off, all this type of stuff. But the first time I knew anything about that, there's a parody send-up scene oh. in, the, in in Cable Guy oh, with, yeah. with with Matthew Broderick and Jim Carrey acting it out. I saw that and I'm going, what the hell is this? And then I watch, I'm there watching, I'm there watching Midnight Express and this is starting to happen. And instead of getting emotional and crying, I'm there going, all I could see was Jim Carrey pressing his hairy nipple up against the screen. Yeah. So That's like anything with... Um... Anything that's in any of the scary movie films that I'd seen before, <laughs> I saw the scary the actual films based on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and I wonder if like a lot of the times when we do have a negative, um, a negative experience watching a TV show or movie, it's because we've got that encyclopedic knowledge, so we're not watching it for an enjoyment. Um, mm. It happens to me if um, if I watch something that's based on a book that I love or that I've read, I just sit there and go like with Doctor Sleep. I go, that's not that would have been that was better in the book. Oh, I'm ashamed they didn't do that, and I can't enjoy it as much. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side. 
there's times where it's the opposite and I go, knowing all this, I can pick, oh, that's such a Ridley Scott, that's a classic, the white blood of the, the android or the phallic type monster, that's classic, oh, that's cool. So mm. sort of like a double-edged sword a bit there. Yeah, 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 it is a bit. Look, the cast were uniformly great. They were all, they all did their roles in exceptionally well. I think the kid actors were very good as well. Mm. Um, good at making us dislike them. Oh yeah. Well. Yes, but they were very much they were very much kids. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're very much a case of kids are shits. Yeah, they can have good moments and bad moments. Even and on a different planet, when they are the last, you know, hope for humanity, <laughs> still be little shits. Oh yeah. Yeah. And one of them is Australian. That's cool. I shouldn't talk because it's still a child actor, right? But make a decision. Like, are you British or are you using your Australian accent? Or I get that his. Uh, conversation patterns and his language would be different because he's raised by two androids who speak very who speak very properly and so he he announces pronounces all of his consonants and he says do not instead of don't and things like that but it still just really annoyed me yeah, yeah. i really like and it's quite it's quite because it's all shot in south africa so it's quite mm. an international cast mm-hmm. um uh, Amanda Collin, who played Mother, I think she's South African. Um, she uh, is. Yeah. Neve, uh, who played Sumer. Yeah, she's Irish. Um, Which slipped, her accent did slip in one scene where she got quite angry. Yeah. Uh, Patty yeah. and I were both like, oh, the little Irish accent slipped out. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, did, I noticed yeah that. It, it didn't help that she improvised, uh, to be sure, in there. Um, <laughs> to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> Step back from him, to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> For myself, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like those little subtle changes, especially by the. Oh, are we doing? We're we still talking about the first episode. Are we spoiling or uh, stuff like that? Yeah, there's still some stuff that we can get into with the first episode. I think. Um, yeah. It is. Yeah, it is a little hard to go through the cast though. The characters. Yeah. A lot of the world building and stuff happens in the first episode, and I quite liked the um, the concept that the world was destroyed by like atheists versus believers and all of those like religious war. Yeah. It was very on the nose when you found out that that's what happened. I think the reveal perhaps could have been a little more subtle, but uh, <laughs> I, I think it was good. And I liked all of the flashbacks as well. I thought the flashbacks yeah. were very well done. For me, yeah. there was nothing subtle about this at all. You're going get it, get it. Religion's bad, but also being not, having no faith at all is bad. I'm going okay, all right, all right, and they yeah, like yeah. cram down your throat as well. Having a combination of both is probably a good idea. Ah, stop, stop! I need to be able to breathe. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that, and and also the planet that they are on. We don't really uh, learn too much about it in the season, but there's definitely some stuff going on on that planet that uh, is very intriguing and Mm. um talk about world building this is a world that we're on that there's a lot to build there i think Mm -hmm. um the idea of we won't get into why they look like that but the creatures themselves having like a humanoid face but then they're also kind of like the dogs from hunger games or something and they're like running around yeah Yeah, and looking a little bit werewolf from uh, prisoner of azkaban as well yeah yeah all that stuff was was very interesting. It did remind me of a show that I, I think I've mentioned a couple of times, and I think I've mentioned it a little bit in any time that I can bring it up. It felt a little bit Earth 2. Um, I'm just saying it. Earth 2. It was a show in the 90s. It only lasted one season. It had Clancy Brown, and it's pretty much about 
people who leave Earth because it's dying and it's just the same type of thing they're in, you know, it's just them dry. It's sci-fi just on location and so trying to make somewhere look like it's out of, you know, in outer space. So it's, it's very much like camping, camping sci-fi. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and um, with, with more of a budget. So the whole sort of like, and the planet is alive or the planet has some sort of, you know, psychic ability or puts thoughts in your head or all that type of stuff um, was, you know, stuff that I'm there going, I think I've seen that. Yeah. Again, I'm burdened by my, by <laughs> my watching of too much shit. I'm there going, I've seen that before. I saw that oh, in mm. Earth too. But then yeah. I don't know, not spoiling, but I, by the last episode, I don't know if that's what it is. Yeah. No idea. They gave us some interesting images to, to dwell on for the next however long mm. between seasons. Yeah. One of my favorite things about anything sci-fi is um, when they show me something new technology wise, um, or not necessarily technology, but a different, like just a design of, of, of a piece of technology. So um, from the ship looking like a whistle, yeah. um, the lander, to the necromancer um, design of the character of the necromancer was fucking cool. Mm. Um, mm. They're awesome. I, yeah, they're yeah. so awesome. I still didn't get... Here's, here's the thing. Okay, so with certain eyes, she <laughs> becomes the necromancer. Now, yes. did she have those eyes to begin with or did she yes. steal those eyes from the 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 android who she killed... I, rip the head off or I, did no she took his normal eyes so yeah so i think she had the eyes the whole time but only realized that she had the power and then she kept finding things that she didn't know about before and then when she discovered that of course so she didn't know she could do what she didn't know she could kill no she didn't know she could kill until something triggered it kind of like in serenity yeah oh good reference good reference and you said that was one thing as well that I did want to bring up was how desensitized I think I am to certain gory things because there was a lot of gore in that first episode and but, 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 but I was like, oh, it's like the blood's going everywhere. It's quite beautiful, actually. But then when yeah, she pulled out an android's eye, I went, ah, that's enough of that. Like the <laughs> yeah, eye stuff oh was like just grossed me out a lot. But everything else, I was like, ah, there's blood flying everywhere. Who cares? That's fine. <laughs> I think the initial kill... I was like, whoa. Because they were like bubbling. Their faces were bubbling. Yeah. And, and then the, then when they were exploding, it was a bit like, oh, they're exploding. That's no fun. Um, <laughs> but you're right. When she was like uh, like pulling apart the android, I was like, ugh. Because why do they have to make them look as much as their blood is white? Everything else still looks like giblets. You know, mm, like it's yeah. all intestine and even though it's all synthetic they make it look so, I guess that's the point. They're trying to make them look as real as possible. But And that's the thing. Like, all ugh. the... All- all the white stuff, because that's a that's very, you know, synonymous with the androids of synthetic life form. Sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> in Alien, so they're going, uh huh, might maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, I'm not saying it's the same universe, but it could be a parallel version of that universe type of thing. <laughs> One like the like the fan theory I put in our group chat. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is the oh, worst yeah. idea ever, but if they do that, that'll be so funny. <laughs> okay, so we're we going full spoilers. Uh, yeah, let's rate it and then go full spoilers. Okay, cool. um, yeah, what, what, what are you going to rate it, Rob? Uh, <laughs> for me, it'll be schmear. Is that an up schmear or a down schmear? That's a down schmear. Okay. I'm terribly, I'm terribly, I'm it's not going, I'm not going full, you know, thumbs down because the production quality is so high. That type of this type of version of sci-fi, it's good to have. So it's not just all you know, big bangs and explosions. I like <laughs> concepts. And I like yeah. I like 
philosophy exploring sci-fi so stuff you know what Denis Villeneuve does yeah uh, more of that we need more of that in the world but um oh my god um yeah <laughs> I, 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 it was not a fun trip for me um so yeah but I can appreciate how well it was all put together I'm still on I'm on two thumbs up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you didn't guess um I just had like I just after every episode Patty and I looked at each other and went that was fucking cool like I loved yeah, like I said, the world building. I mean, the the religion versus, you know, atheism versus faith and stuff. I don't know. Like, I take that all a bit like, you're right, we've seen it before. But I don't know. It's kind of hard to escape um, mm. in terms of, you know, yeah. I didn't find that that, that um, affected my enjoyment of it at all. Like, I kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it just didn't really bother me either mm. way. Mm. Um and the and mother's journey with her own beliefs was really interesting um, to to follow as well. Yeah. Um. I yeah. Just I love. <laughs> I just love sci-fi. I'll take all of it and everything. <laughs> like I'm not. Yeah. Um. Again, coming from not knowing all that much about that kind of um, genre. Um. In terms of that tone of sci-fi, like you mentioned, Rob, um, Ridley Scott and everything. I just everything seemed fairly new to me in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, I loved the necromancer. <laughs> just like, I think a lot of times I was like, just do something awesome again. So it sounds, it sounds like a very like, uh, surface reaction that I've had. And it kind of still is because again, I only finished it like a week ago and it takes me a while to process and conversations. Like I usually go out of recording an episode and go, Hmm, I've got a lot to think about. And often my opinion does change after we record these episodes. So, Mm. um, whereas at the time I just, this is still kind of my, you know, initial reaction and I, I loved it. So it's two thumbs based on that. Um, may change, but yeah, two thumbs. All right. Nice. The butt. The Android butt. (laughs) The Android butt. Don't have butts. Two thumbs in the Android port thing. Definitely a two thumb up uh, for me as well. I just love this style of sci-fi, even just down to the atmosphere as well. Like when I was mm. watching the first episode and it was all slow and almost kubrick e mixed in with the Scottness. That was a weird sentence. Um, wow. <laughs> the Scottness. Wow. kubrick and Scottness. Love that. That's a great band. Please welcome to the stage, Kubricky and Scottness. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they're like some weird, like Eurovision band that no one talks about after. Their, Absolutely. Their first yeah, they're appearance. a little bit. They're a little bit craft work. They're a little bit Daft Punk. I was going to say craft work. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look at us. Here we go. I just lap this stuff up in general. I mean, I will watch any an AI becomes aware the yep. movie in general, like Ex Machina, Bicentennial Man. Oh God, really? <laughs> Bicentennial. <laughs> Yeah, well, why not? Love, why not? <laughs> I haven't seen Ex Machina yet, but um, um, oh yeah, it's god! Pretty much everything Sandro just said, despite the Scottness part, is what I meant in my review. I just can't articulate myself as well as you guys can. So it's not true. What Sandro Ex- said? <laughs> well, you're gonna love Ex Machina because Ex Machina is the same type of shit here. But I, you know, I'm not saying yeah. I liked it better, but I was just relieved that you know instead of you know, raised by dancing with wolves goes for, you know, 27 hours yeah. in, um, yeah, ex machina, you're in and out in like an hour 45. Yeah. It's very short. I just, I like the term you use, um, Sandra, you like, you lap it up. Yeah. And I think that for me, that it's exactly what I was feeling. Like I just, I was literally lapping up every bit of information and mm. 
um, that they were giving me. Yeah. For the whole 27 hours, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I will say it probably was maybe two episodes too long as well. It could have done... There were some moments, I think it was episodes three and four, where I felt like it dragged a little bit. Um, was that quite um, sim he- um, sim heavy? Those episodes, uh, I think, yeah, they were the, the, the sim pod. Yeah, sim I felt, ones. I felt that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I quite liked it, and yeah, it is pretty similar to other stuff. But I think that in terms of the scope and production value, and the very unique and sometimes disturbing visuals, that was enough to kind of set it apart from a lot yeah. of other stuff from me. So yeah, definitely two thumbs up. I will uh, definitely ch- check it out next year, maybe for a season two. I absolutely have no problem with seeing something that we've seen before. Um, if it's done well, mm-hmm. and Rob probably disagrees with me, but I think it was done really well. I, I just, I'm one of those people and I'm like, you know what? If there's, if something, if there's a story or a theme or something that works, you know what? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Just yeah. don't do it badly. Just do it justice. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's author, like, for example, Neil Gaiman, every book, you kind of know what you're going to get in terms mm. of tone, in terms of, um, you know, themes and things but you know what he does it so well so i don't mind <laughs> yeah yeah that's an extreme example because he, everything he writes is well he's able he's able to he's he's great at getting that balance of like you know the stuff that he does in sandman mm. or yeah. like you know american gods uh which is like the full-on version of him that is all yeah. the game oh, yes that's the type yeah. of stuff that you know alan moore went yes this is a guy i want to be friends with yeah. um and then you've got there's that dark elements of neverwhere but it's uh and like Coraline as well and yeah. stardust oh, yeah. but that's more of the as light as gaming gets and then of course you know <laughs> I've just yeah. I started rewatching last night um, Good Omens because I needed a, yeah. a laugh and just you know that's the Pratchett influence that brings yeah. out brought out the light in Gaiman as well so yeah. I like the the spectrum of Gaiman he goes from just, black to grey yeah I just think like I can watch a show or a movie and early on go we've seen, I I know what this story is going to be we've seen this many times before and that and that's the only time I'll think of that and then I just you know mm. put that aside and enjoy it for what it is I don't know maybe I'm weird yeah, but it no, just doesn't I, I don't mind seeing the same story over yeah, and over differently. Yeah. yeah I'm okay with seeing the same story done in a new way it's just that case of for me I'm there going I needed something to latch onto that I wanted okay. to fight for sure. uh, someone I could latch onto and I couldn't latch onto anybody yeah um, that's fair. so that, that's that's the one thing that held me from really latching on um yeah, organized religion is bad or taking the extreme yeah. is bad. You wanted no to shit. give a shit. Yeah, you wanted to give a shit about yeah. someone. About and... someone. About yeah, okay. someone there. And I'm yeah. there going, yeah, that's why I, the only person I like had some sort of allegiance with was, was Vita. This <laughs> little girl who's like looking around going, um, I don't I know what to believe anymore. And you're like, good girl. Question that <laughs> yeah. belief. You and me both, kid. I think um, I I can admit that there wasn't really anyone that I gave a shit about. Mm. Really, I kind of like was interested in this this person's plight, and then I was like, oh, I don't really care about them anymore. They've gone creepy or whatever. But I gave a shit about. I just wanted I just wanted to know more about this world. Yeah, um, and I think that's what I latched onto. Yeah, um, I th- yeah, yeah. I think that was me as well because I am th- thinking about it, and like a, a lot of my favorite TV shows recently haven't really had main characters that you relate mm. to. Like with Devs, I didn't care about any of the characters in that, but that's probably my favourite show of the year just because it is, like, you're invested in finding stuff out. 
which is yeah. interesting because when it comes to movies, I'm always like the characters are like the big thing. But interesting. for a longer runtime, yeah. for some reason, I'm okay with it being quite, uh, I-, I guess, plot driven, which is yeah. <laughs> which is weird. But let's move on to our spoiler section. We're going to give away everything that happens. Uh, if we have time, we probably don't. A lot happens. <laughs> a lot happens. What are some spoiler stuff that we wanted to talk about? Should we jump straight to the final episode? Right. Okay. This is the thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote the Simpsons again here. Okay. You know, yeah, there's an episode, uh, the first ever, um, uh, Halloween episode when they do the Raven and there's, you know, and, and there's a famous quote where Lisa's reading it out and, and Bart goes, you know, what would be more interesting than nothing? And Lisa goes, what? And he goes, anything. So I'm going to paraphrase that. (laughs) You know what would be more interesting than a generic sci-fi vagina-mouthed slug flying? You know what would be more interesting than that being birthed by the the mother? Anything. (laughs) Anything would have been more interesting than that. It built it up so much that they were doomed to fail. As soon as it came out of her mouth, I'm there going, that's it? I kind of expected it. You expect you expected that? I expected that because it's I expected it to come out that way. Um, because <laughs> as soon as she announced she was pregnant, I was like, How the fuck's that baby getting out? Yeah. It's yeah, coming yeah. out two ways. Yeah. It's coming out through the mouth or it's gonna a vampire twilight through her belly and eat its way out. Yeah. Um and I expected it to not be human or or a humanoid. And I was like when I saw that it was a serpent, I was like, oh, of course it's a fucking serpent because they've been hinting at this serpent thing. And even they're like, oh, it's fine. The serpents are extinct. I'm like, no, 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 I don't reckon they are. But um, is, it, is it the same type of serpent as the, the one? I that, believe I it so. is. Yeah. A, no, I think it's a hybrid. Yeah, because it's holding it. Because I remember them lifting the skull and it was holding the jaw, and it seemed like it had a normal jaw as opposed to alien sci-fi vagina jaw. What's happened is it's taken on some of her, um, so her flight ability because it can fly. Can fly, yep. Um, The original serpents, I don't think could fly, or they would absolutely not have gone extinct. Um, And that's what the father's saying: like we can't just throw it down the pit because it can fly. Um, Yeah. The serpents are extinct, therefore the, the planet or the, the creatures that already inhabit it or whoever we're going to find out it is has found a way to create a new version that will survive. So it's like it, the planet's going through a cycle. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I really, really liked about the ending was the idea that um, because I think the planet might be alive. I don't know if that's just my thinking because of the ghosts mm. and everything. The uh, idea that the planet used the new inhabitants to kind of recreate itself to bring back the original uh, inhabitants. I really like that concept. I Mm. don't know if it was a great concept to build a finale around because it didn't feel like a great season finale. It kind of ended and I went, oh, that's it. We're not going to find out what happened to Caleb. He's just still (laughs) wandering around high or whatever he's doing. Um, Well, he came across the um, the arrivals. He came across the other arrivals that we don't know. Yeah. That's true. That's the true. atheists. Yeah. yeah. Um, and whether and whether Mary's going to be okay because she's like shot. Um, That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if Prudence is still pregnant and yeah, Tempest. Yeah. Sorry, Prudence. <laughs> Dear Prudence. <laughs> Dear Prudence. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and you know, Campion just wailing. Thank goodness they muted him and just had music over the top of that. Yeah. Hopefully, I could have stood I um I don't mind a finale where I am kind of like questioning 
it doesn't tie up all the ends. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. frustrating, but um, I think some of the imagery they gave us was a little bit when they're looking at the plates and we kind of saw the congregation around the pit and that like helmet with like the white blood coming out and then she found the helmet and it was an android's head inside. Yeah. So I'm like, were the inhabitants always impregnating androids, but where did they get these androids from? Mm. Like those questions are kind of cool, but I feel like they gave us not quite enough to go off and like, yeah, it felt like a mid season finale. Like there would be like a three month gap and then it would come back, which I like that idea. Cause I've got a feeling there's probably only three seasons worth in this show. Anyway, I don't think it should go any longer than that. Um, I like that idea, but when, like we now know we've probably got over a year break until the next season. It didn't feel like an ending that is going to, that I'm going to remember. And I'm not going to go and rewatch it before season two, most likely. Yeah. Cause like the ending of the boys season one was like that. It just, it just ended. There wasn't a big reveal or anything. It was just the eight episodes are up. That's the end. We're up to this point in the story. Come back in a, in a year and a half. We, we'll pick it up again, which yeah. is fine. But I almost prefer the way that Game of Thrones did it in that you do have that big finale in you do a get way. Something for your time. Yeah, you have you have the epi- <laughs> you have the big epic episode nine, and then the year, the episode ten aftermath. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like it needed. You're right. It felt like it was two episodes too long, but then what we were given, it felt like it was an episode too short, that we needed that. If you're going to do that at the end, you, we needed that extra aftermath episode. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just for, for me, yeah. I got to the end of it and I went, all right, so now the big vagina mouth slug thing <laughs> is now really, really big and there's another ship. Um, all right. There was no impulse for me to come back i mean i kind of like the fact that the um the the kids kind of were positively influenced by the being raised by mother and father and they found that they felt cared for and looked after as opposed to the the rigidness rigidness like they hadn't lost their faith they were still believing in soul but they didn't like how they were treated by the the the, you know the the puritans so i kind of paul's gone full caleb though paul's oh yeah paul's hearing the voices that caleb was which makes me think that he's gonna go a bit that way yeah um Mm. Yeah, uh, I'd be interested to see what happens there. Because he tried to jeopardise everything. Yeah, in the yeah. End. Like, I, I liked how Hunter actually, you know, reprogrammed Father. That was that was cool. I went, yeah. that's, that's a good character move. Yeah. That's yeah. a nice moment. That's a nice, you know, realisation. He still believes in his faith, but he also has, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I liked Father's jokes. He did a really good <laughs> yeah. joke. There was a, I actually liked them because they're dad jokes. Yeah. Um, but there was the moment when he was practicing jokes in like episode two yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, and there was one joke that he did and it was sort of like uh, something walks into a bar and the, and the joke was, this is a disappointment. And then he goes, <laughs> promising, but probably best for the young ones. And, <laughs> yeah. I went, yes. that's, that, and I went, that's a good one, but i got to remember it. So that means I'll have to, oh shit, I'll have to go back and watch oh, it. Oh no. no I'll, I'll find it online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. I would like to talk about the that mid-section we mentioned, Sandro, where um, I found myself losing a little bit of interest and just kind of being like, let's get back to it, was when Mother was going and retreating to the sim pod. And yeah. Uh, I liked that they did flashbacks that way where she was seeing her history and learning it for the first time as opposed to just being like, and before this, this is how mother was reprogrammed by her creator. I liked that 
she was seeing that and that was a cool way to do those kind mm. of flashbacks. But like the whole when she when they set the trap for her and she went in and had sex with the creator and then <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't I I get that it you know it, it it took her on her like journey of like the creator the creator and I was like, it sounds you sound religious to me. And she's like, no, he was a real person. Mm. But she's the only one that actually ever saw him or remembers him because father doesn't. Um, and that was cool because it kind of like kickstarted that. But oh, and I know it also makes this question like how she became pregnant. But it just oh. I just didn't like <laughs> that whole love. I just like yeah. I don't need this love and, story. And I wasn't I convinced with father being jealous. Um, Neither. I, I like go, what is android. this anger? I'm going, no, no. You know, what is this feeling that you call love? That felt a little cheap to me. I never believed that they that that he loved her in the first place. So that whole jealousy <laughs> thing was like, this doesn't... Yeah. I, yeah, I don't completely buy, buy that. I, the, For me, the... I was like, okay, I'm believing that mother is becoming self-aware, mm. but, but she's a different breed of android. Like, yeah. she's got obviously something going on. Whereas father is supposed to be a stock standard sort of service model, like a C-3PO. So him having those moments, I was like, I don't know. I like I liked when Mother and um, uh, Mary Sue kind of started to bond. That was cool. That mm-hmm. stuff when yeah when they started. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was cool. Like I'm, I I like it when yeah. There's just so much too. aggression. Everyone was so yeah. Everyone hated each other. Everyone hated each other within the religious fanatical group. Everyone hated themselves amongst the kids group. It, mother and father hated each other. Mother, father, <laughs> Caleb hated each other. And, uh, uh, Campion hated each other. And they go, everyone hates each other, okay? The only people who didn't... Ha- you know, Vita didn't hate anybody. No. <laughs> and, you know, even, you know, even, even... I don't think they hated the mouse either, even though the mouse came back. And it, I think the mouse is evil. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, oh, the, the, the mouse didn't go pet cemetery yet, so... No. That's exactly the reference I made. I was like, they come back evil. Uh, the daddy, 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 da girl came back evil. That's I cannot never remember her name. The first child to fall down. Um, Callie. I just say daddy, daddy, da because that's what she was singing. Yeah, when that's she right. Daddy, daddy, da, daddy, daddy, da. What's the name there? Anyway. Comes back evil, and I was like, well, then the mouse must be evil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I. The entire planet is an Indian burial ground. Oh, now I oh, can imagine though. Imagine. <laughs> I would have kind of like actually would have liked to fit the last episode ended with the lander going into the center of the earth, not punching out the other side as cool as that was. And we were like, wow, that lander is pretty sick. And okay. They're on the, in the tropical region. Now I think I would have liked it better if it had just plummeted into the earth. And we found out next season mm. that yeah. they punched through the other side. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the serpent survived, but I guess that's the cliffhanger, isn't it? That the serpent is out in the world. Yeah, I, I guess. Yes. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up was Paul. I love that I just finished reading Dune, <laughs> which featured a character called Paul, who's got some sort of prophecy about him. In this show, <laughs> there's a character called Paul. <laughs> He's got a prophecy. That was my first thought when they said Paul. And there's like really specific paint art, uh, you know, cave art that yeah. specifically captures stuff. I'm there going. Anything that brings in prophecy stuff, I'm kind of over now because there's a, even when they brought it into the prequels of Star Wars, go there, you know, there's a prophecy about the one who'll bring balance to the Force, and I went, look, you didn't need to bring in a prophecy. There's no prophecy in the first three Star Wars films, and they're amazing. So you know what? Yeah. Don't bring in fucking prophecies. It's I can't... classic religion, though, like that. If they're that, mm. that. Um... 
the soul believers. I can't think of the the myth. Um, Mithraic, of course they're going to have a prophecy because what else have they got to, they've got to believe in something um, and there's soul and the prophecy. And look, a lot of the prophecy was coming true. So I'm wondering if the world, as you said, is alive, the planet is alive. <gasps> and the it's... planet is soul. I don't know. The planet's actually the sun. Or is it, a ter- is it terraforming itself? Is it like a sky moon if we're going red Ooh. dwarf? So is it connected to one person's um, psyche? Yeah. If that happens, then uh, I'm done. <laughs> well, I'm done already. <laughs> That's fair. Um, is it reading people's mind and knowing about and giving them what they want to see yeah. like, in a fucked yeah. up kind of way? Um, like that weird thing in the desert with the butthole, flaming butthole. Um, <laughs> How the f- I mean, is it, were we meant to know that the butthole doesn't work? Because one time it flames and kills the guy who's the leader. Other time it doesn't do anything. Then it yeah. lights a torch. Then it doesn't kill doesn't Hunter's arm. His arm. Yeah. I think it's that's what we're... The, the the Mithraic believe that it's soul that soul's power and he yeah. chose to yeah. spare Hunter and kill Blah because he was Blah, but then I'm like, nah, it's death's the planet. I was I was annoyed when they originally went away and I was like, I want to learn more about that hexagonal butthole thing. And then they came back to it and I was like, oh, we got to find out more. And then I was like, oh, yeah, um, yeah. I think they I, might show that later. That seems yeah. like something that they're probably. It, it's a big it, deal. It, it seems it's like, like the hatch you lost. Device. It gave me that kind of. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is important, but we're not going to get through it this season. It, there, there, there was a lot of walking, lot sleep, of walking. F- sleeping, freezing, then walking, <laughs> then oh, arguing, then sleeping, freezing, then killing someone, then walking, then sleeping, freezing. Anyway. Um, it was then- a very realistic uh, depiction of what it would be like. A lot of walking, a <laughs> lot of sleeping. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of flying with your eyes. Um, I kind of felt the whole the prisoner in the helmet. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of felt like I, I don't even know. I liked the visual a lot of this guy with a giant helmet on that'll crush him if the android head goes too far away. That was cool. Yeah, which was cool, and it crushed in a way I didn't expect. Mm. I thought it would be slower, like a like a vice, but it literally like, it, that was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I was kind of like, eh, we thought he was dead after mother woke up in the pod and kind of threw rocks at people instead of killing them with her sonar mouth, which she'd done to everybody. I don't know why she chose not to kill them, but whatever. <laughs> There's a lot of plot armor in this. Show. Yeah. And then we thought we assumed he was dead and then he kind of came back and he had his droid dude's head in his backpack. And I was kind of like, yeah, cool. We're going to get some revenge. We'll get some revenge. But like, I don't really care. Mm. Well, because, uh, because his head's encased in like a Ned Kelly helmet back the front, we don't, you know, we don't have any connection other than what, yeah. we're, to- what we're told he is. Yeah. And, and he, he, and he everything... does influence, he does influence Ka- Caleb early on um, talking about, you know, soul's clearly chosen you. And I think that helps Caleb along his, um, journey of into insaneness, mm. but other than that, I was like, oh, I don't know if we needed him. I think it's, I think it's a, it's an okay character point for Tempest, but absolutely, like uh, outside of the visuals, he didn't really do anything. Did they spend a whole episode on him and mm, Tempest? Not... I feel like that might have been a whole episode where he's. Mm. It, trying to the, it, kill it people. It felt like 17 hours. <laughs> uh, it was that whole episode where he was following behind Mother. Oh, yeah, the blood stuff. 
That's right. He lasted stuff. a long time being sucked of blood constantly, I have to say. He had a lot of blood <laughs> yes. um, because I would have passed out within minutes. Can I just say, can I just say, at the point where, you know, she went, hmm, okay, this baby needs blood. Um, that was, I liked it. <laughs> you like that? I'm there going, it was creepy. Nah, okay, any, I couldn't be, I didn't think I could be any more out of this show than I already am. But that, I'm there going, there must be some logical part in your head that goes, you know what? If anything inside you needs that amount of blood, <laughs> that's <laughs> never a good thing. That well, is that's never, true. That, that's no matter true. how, no matter where you are, no matter how bleak and dark this whole fucking tone of this show is, that is an intelligent android that goes, you know what? There has never been anything good about something that it takes that much blood to live. So in an android who doesn't need blood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I did enjoy that nearly every episode I felt differently about mother. Yes. Like I was like, oh, she's nice. She's not in, the kids aren't in danger with her. Oh my God, get the kids away from her. She's going to flip out. Oh no, she loves them. And she's just trying, she doesn't understand. Oh, she's going to eat Tempest because she needs blood. Like that was cool that she was, it was unpredictable what. Yeah, oh, fuck, she was yeah but we had to next. wait for yeah. the next episode for her to go. You know, she just pushed her away, and then yeah, I'll you know, have to wait a whole other episode to explain. Actually, now I'm in control of my thoughts, and if you, mm. I'm afraid I'm going to kill you because I need blood. Um, but then they kind of dismissed the whole thing that was in heavy in the first two episodes of sort of like, well, we're going to go soon. Well, we're going to die. Well, we're not going to be around for much longer. Well, yeah. we're, oh, and then for the rest of the episode, no, we're fine. And the only thing that threatens them is being shot by fucking everybody. So mm. anyway, um, uh, yes, that, I'm, I'm throwing a lot of shade onto the, that's to, all right. to the show. So, um, I read a couple of articles afterwards cause that's what I do. Um, mm-hmm. on this kind of thing. I love to like read about it and stuff. What do you think, ha- like we talked about the planet potentially have impregnated her, the, did the creator impregnate her like he said in the dream that he he made her pregnant so that, you know, the kids were just a practice for this and this is this is humanity's future. Like what do you reckon it is? Like what impregnated her? What's I your theory? Uh, I don't think it's Campion. I think it's some sort of other yeah. thing taking over. You think it's the planet? Yeah. I th- I think it might be the planet or it might be, um, no, there's no way that it's the stasis pod itself because that would be Well, that's stupid. what I, yeah, because I, <laughs> I read an interesting article that talked about the idea that the way, whether or not who did it, we don't know, but the way that she was impregnated is through, she's like a 3D printer. Yeah. So that she, the pregnancy is a data download of data into her system and her system processes it and creates it as like a, a digital printer, but then I'm like, but it needs blood, so it's obviously organic in a sense. So maybe, maybe um, the ghost thing, whatever it was, that was like, like running around, <clears throat> hacked into the pod and yeah. put a virus in that, which then turned real when she plugged in. Yeah, mm-hmm. those were those middle episodes that I was like, okay, so Caleb mentioned putting a program in the sim that would keep her in a loop while they set themselves up yes. to kill her, and I was like, oh. That's dirty, Caleb. He put a sex sim in there. He like he changed the data so she'd be having sex the whole time, and she would be. And so I was like, well, maybe it's what Caleb did. Yeah, maybe the planet used him through the butthole through tube soul. thing. Yeah, yeah. That's my theory. Is mm. that him? look? Look, it is clear there is a lot of questions that need to be answered in series two, and I hope the two of you get them when you watch season Thank two. Thank you, Rob. Thanks. I need answers. <laughs> You need to have those answers, those questions answered. Oh, can I just say, Caleb, horrible character. 
Terrifying. Horrible. Oh, yeah. Horrible yeah. person. Horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible human being. And I did From not From the get-go, like... he looks... Those eyes that he has, the blue... Um, he's, te- like, creepy. He yeah. always looked like he was woke and he'd seen some shit. Oh, yeah. Which he had. But it just, ne- I never trusted him from the get-go. I can understand why he was cast. Uh, you know, his big break was playing a Viking. Vikings, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so Caleb before possession, I was a bit, eh, I'm not sure about. Well, I don't like. And then he be- and I go, wow, how can you make this character? You know, there's no way in hell that this character could be any more annoying and I could hate this character more. And then the writer went, hold my beer. And then, yeah. You know. yeah. And then he had him wandering for an episode and I was like, I'm fine with that because I'm a bit over you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. The re- I, I didn't trust him from the beginning. I used um, Patty's real life way of knowing when you don't trust someone. He didn't, when he hugged Paul or when he hugged Sarah, he didn't close his eyes. <laughs> that's Patty's way of being that's, like, he doesn't love him. His eyes aren't closed when he hugs a, them. Yeah, that's, that's a gimmick in film, isn't it? If you hug and, and keep your like, eyes open, you're yeah, evil. Yeah. Just like them. if you cough in a movie, you're going to be dead in the yeah. next scene. Yeah, yeah exactly. And there's a scene, I think, uh, on the ship, potentially when they're sort of flashing back to when they're on their on the ark and he hugs her and Paul and they're all like, we love, we found love. And he's got his eyes open and I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I picked it. So. Yeah. Um, but you, I, I hope we get the answers too, Rob. I hope so. <laughs> I went looking for them, as as I said, I do. Um, and I found this quote Ooh. from the writer. And this might be a nice way to end, end the episode if, you've, if we've said everything we want to say. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, so I went looking for these answers um, because I can't wait a year. And I got, as I should have expected, um, this cool quote from the, uh, the writer whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, talking about next season. And he said, I can't spell it all out now because the show is so much about mystery, but we have a multiple season plan that will illuminate a lot of stuff. It's like a big haunted house and it's about the people who lived there before, all the rooms you haven't seen the inside of, the backyard you haven't seen yet. Hmm, that's cool. And I liked that. I thought that's a really cool way of looking at it. Well, I hope the two of you enjoy watching that house even for and it's Halloweeny, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I could just see you dancing, going Halloweeny. I actually threw my arms around. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I absolutely, yeah. A lot of questions, and I just, yeah, Definitely. I'm excited to find out the answers. Well, I, I, I bid you. Bon voyage on your journey into <laughs> season speed. two. Whenever it comes, I'll uh, stop off here. Well, you never, you never know. You said that for Star Trek Discovery, all Raised by Wolves season two needs to do to get you back on board is introduce Anson Mount, and you'll be there. <laughs> you'll be ready. <laughs> Or go nine hundred years in the future and really get interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does my, or yeah, does my um forcing you two to watch something have an expiry date? Or nah, do it whenever. Can I wait till season two of this and be like, you have to watch it? You're playing the you're playing the long game, Jen Spears. Playing the long game. Yeah. I'm not gonna, like, I'm not using this. I'm not wasting this. You're the, you're the Marquis is... de Carabas right here. You have a favor. That is the episode right there, though. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you have. Uh, seen Raised by Wolves and have got some fan theories, maybe shoot us an email. You can do so feedback.nerdout at gmail.com or you can message us on Facebook or the uh, show's Instagram account or our personal Instagram account. Send your fan theories to Rob and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens. Let's see what I do with it. I might put in my, my killer eyes and go bronzy naked and just scream at you and make He's you fucking bubble. fucking awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> I also forgot uh, when you, Sandra, when you mentioned about Paul and Dune, like giant serpents, giant worms. There it's are, a classic. There are giant it's a story worms. we've seen before. And <laughs> for, for whatever reason, I just got an in, incredible urge, and I'm going to talk about it next week. Um, I'd never seen it before. I have never watched this film, and I watched it last night, probably because there's a special Arrow um, limited edition coming out at the end of the year. I watched Tremors for the first time. Oh, oh yeah. nice. Fuck, it's good. It's so much it fun. great. Look forward to hearing about it next week. Don't watch any of the sequels. <laughs> no, I don't want to watch any. Look, Michael Gross is in all the sequels, and he's incredible, but I'll just I'll, I'll watch one, and that's enough for me. Yeah. Love it. I think a new one just came out, and it's like Tremors, but underwater. I'm like, I don't care. Get out of here. Well, yeah, they did, they did one. Then there was like a six-year break. Then they did two, three, and four. Then there was like a 13-year break, and they did five and six. So, Amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, that is, yeah, the episode uh, right there. Uh, stuff to plug. I've always got stuff to plug, so I'll just... <laughs> I'll just I'll just jump into it. This week on Oldie But a Goodie, coming out on Monday, we review, and this is going to be a controversial statement, the best James Cameron movie, the first Terminator film. <laughs> hey, no, that's not controversial at all. It's an incredible film. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, we are joined by uh, our first ever international guest, actually, for that episode. So um, that was a bit of fun. Not as long as Rob's Ghostbusters episode, but still pretty long. <laughs> What? Someone can almost talk as long as I do about absolutely nothing? (laughs) Oh, uh, and I should mention it as well. We were talking about Star Trek Discovery just before. Season 3 is out, and over on the spin-off show, No Doubt Consume, Reese and I are going to be reviewing that uh, week by week. Um, nice. Because there's nothing else to talk about, so that'll be there for a little while. And I liked it. Episode episode one was good. It's good. And Michael Burnham wasn't fucking annoying. No, it's, it's true. And she did, and you know, the whole Starfleet thing. And she didn't do the whole thing from season one. That Starfleet. She just actually acted. She didn't say it. It was good. It was good. <laughs> I I didn't like the moment where she got drunk or high or whatever that was. I thought, thought, you... I thought that was a bit weird. But everything else. Was I like that. She showed like she actually had a personality. It was great. <laughs> she should be drunk for the entire fucking season yeah. no one swore rob's voice just went so high yeah um, i need to watch <laughs> you gotta watch it finish season two then go into season three of course. discovery's actually good it is i know that i thought that from the start <laughs> we all we all did but no season one shit uh this is what it does to my voice uh good we time. will get rob on to talk about discovery at some point on that thing yeah I promise my voice will be down to normal. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, which is going to be a Halloween special, we'll probably review Lovecraft Country uh, if we can force Rob to watch all 10 episodes. Um... Oh, God. Jesus, what are you forcing me to do? We'll see. That's not my force one. I'm not playing that card. No, No. you're not playing that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You should watch it, though. Yeah. I saw your your Instagram post of you (gasps) watching it and that look on your face. I'm going, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Uh, if that, let's if that's uh, what let's happens... take this conversation offline. Let's finish the episode. Because uh, I do. If that's what that. it does to your face, I don't want to know what it'll do to my face. Oh yeah, I was going. Hmm, I like this. It's gory, but it's not scary. And then I saw that episode and went, "Holy shit!" I messaged Sandro, assuming he was up to date, and he wasn't. And I was like, "I'm so sorry. Uh, let me know when you've it, it seen it." It prepared me though. It prepared me though. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for that. Anyway, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, until yeah. then, make sure that you nerd out. <laughs> That's the, that's the first time where we kind of, like, our conversation, uh, yeah, the podcast and getting away of our conversation. Oh, by the way, don't forget to know that. Okay, let's get back to this. <laughs> <laughs>